Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Cork Brothers podcast. Today we have Sanjay Dasari, also affectionately known as Sunny, on the show. <laughs> this guy is an absolute beast in the field of entrepreneurship. I'd like to welcome him onto the podcast. In his own words, he is a man who enjoys things in excess. Before even graduating business school, he had co-founded, and correct me on the pronunciation if I get it wrong, mm-hmm. Vijay Ganja Specialty Care before providing life-saving kidney treatment to those affected by diabetes in India. Mm-hmm. Swiftly out of college, he spearheaded Sunny Bee, which provides fresh and clean vegetables at an affordable price to consumers in the Chennai area of India. If that wasn't enough, he also is a co-founder of Way Cool Foods, where in just three and a half years, they have grown to almost 1,000 employees and, and are tackling the monumental challenge of combating food wastage and scarcity through a st- strategic approach, automation, and tech. Sonny, I'd say you're killing it, but considering what cookie jars you have your hands in and the fact that you just went on Entrepreneur India's 35 under 35, I'd rather say you're excessively growing. <laughs> thank you so much. That's probably the best oh, introduction I've ever had. So thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> You're welcome, man. You deserve it. So, so tell us tell us a little bit about yourself, Sonny. Sure. Um, so I uh, I stay in Chennai, India, South India. Uh, my family is from South India as well. Um, so I stay in Chennai. Um, we uh, we are uh, about three and a half years old as a company. Um, and uh, uh, what we do so far is we've signed up with about 35,000 uh, farmers uh, across the country, um, and we work closely with them to uh, to basically make sure that they know what to produce, when to produce, and who to sell to. So we provide like an end-to-end market access kind of thing. So, But me personally, um, I'm, I'm living the dream right now. I graduated college with the idea of setting up my own company, and um, one of the things that uh, Babson always talks about is impact, right? Um, so we are predominantly in the social impact space, uh, and we make sure that farmers who work with us get more income, we reduce food wastage, and hey, to be um, providing employment for a thousand people or nearly a thousand people uh, is absolutely a fabulous feeling. Wow, yeah. awesome, one hundred percent. I have a question of that leading into um, because uh, Sonny and I actually went to Babson together. So just giving the uh, listeners a little context with um. A lot of people at Babs and a lot of people in the business kind of sphere, especially entrepreneurship, are thinking more towards um, creating an app or the fintech field and all those, uh, you know, like hot industries right now. Why did you decide agriculture and kind of, I guess, you know, getting your hands dirty with the individual people? So what was so exciting, that's a really good question, actually. Um, what was so exciting for me in this whole industry was um, you have so many people, and I don't mean to say this to take anything away from them, um, but they focus on solving first world problems. Um, I come from India. Um, India is one of the few countries that is simultaneously a first world country and a third world country. Um, we have uh, uh, 1.7 billion people. So there are very few things you can say about us that is not true on some level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I came back to India and I was looking at what kind of business to start, I knew I wanted to be able to impact as many people as possible. Um, and uh, for me, uh, I've always seen tech as an enabler. Um, there are many people who see tech as a business itself. But for me, I've always seen tech as something that can help you do business in a better way, in a more efficient way. 
Um, so the way that we apply tech at our company, um, we look at it in terms of uh, time saved or how many repetitive, unnecessary tasks are we avoiding because of technology rather than using technology itself as the business to drive growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a fundamentally different perspective than what other people look at it as because for us, uh, we knew that we wanted to be in the distribution and supply chain space. Um, and that's something where, I mean, you could have a beautiful mobile app or a beautiful website. But at the end of the day, somebody has to harvest vegetables and put them in a crate and put, the, put that crate on a truck. So there's a heavy physical element to our business. And that's actually what's so exciting because the physical element touches so many more people on a regular basis. And especially because we're in the fruits and vegetables space, I mean, people interact with our products three times a day, every single day for their entire lives. Um, so that's why we sort of looked at it from more of the operational and supply chain focus and using tech as a support system. So uh, wow. a couple of years ago, I actually worked in West Africa in the, ag- in the agricultural sphere, working with local farmers there. Oh, fabulous. And, and I feel like there's also a purity in working with individuals because a lot of these farmers are subsistence farmers. They're working 14 hours every day just to put food on their plate for that evening. Nevertheless, you know, like a week down the line. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's a purity in that. Is that, is that also something that drives you? It's, uh, it's extremely emotional for me. I'll, I'll be 100% honest. Um, I, uh, I, I've been romantic about this industry for quite some time. Um, I've gotten much more romantic about it as time has gone on after we started. I mean, for example, um, across the entire world, you have food wastage as a problem. And India is particularly concerning for two reasons. Um, first of all, um, India it has the second largest population in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, sec- and uh, at the same time, we are the second largest food producing nation in the world. So we make the second most amount of food out of any country out there. Um, so that's interesting fact when you keep in mind the flip side of that. Uh, you have a up to 40% food wastage in our country because of supply chain and distribution issues. Yep. Um, you have a, a ridiculous number of deaths related to uh, food scarcity. Um, and you have farmer suicides as well. So that's confusing. How do you have a country that produces so much food, but yet you have so many people going hungry? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that paradox was what uh, got us so so emotionally invested into this business. And we've been saying from day one, we are a social impact enterprise. Because uh, and this may sound a little bit um, a little bit tough, but we don't believe in charity, right? We believe in sustainable entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the whole old school teach a man to fish versus give give him a fish kind of philosophy. But once once that number became clear to us that you you are making enough food, but the food is not going to the right people, that's when we felt like okay, if we can crack this, if we can do this right, that's um thirty to forty percent of the of Indian population that you can be impacting directly, uh, making their lives a little bit easier. And thirty percent of one point seven billion. Help me do the math here, guys. What is that like? 38, 40 million, something like that. Yeah, probably 40, 45 yeah. million, 50. There you go. Yeah. And that that's what got me so emotionally and invested into this business because um, it, it's a feel-good factor. It's what every kid wants to be doing um, at some level. So to be able to be involved in a business like that that creates impact at a social grassroots level is, is amazing. Definitely. Sonny, that is that is that is awesome to hear, and I love that you're going for more of the social impact as well and the sustainability. Um, but when it comes to that, um, a lot of us in this world nowadays, we have technology. We could see everything that's going on in the world, 
And, you know, we might, we might see a problem like that and we're just like, Oh, someone else will handle it. Or we just don't, don't even give it a second thought. So talk about the mindset it took from you to hearing about this and then putting it into action. Cause a lot of times we hear about this stuff, but we don't act on it. So what was that first step where you're like, all right, I'm going to make an impact in this. Right. That's actually, that's very interesting. Um, for me, it, uh, um, I actually came back to Chennai initially uh, with the idea of starting a restaurant, right? I'm I'm a big foodie. I really enjoy food. Nice. Um, <laughs> so I actually want to set up a restaurant and I was looking at that, uh, the whole industry. And while I was uh, studying the, the industry, I, I, I met a bunch of potential vendors, people who would like sell me uh, meat, sell me vegetables, sell me milk, like for the daily operations of, of the restaurant. Um, in the process, when I met the vegetables vendor guy, I understood so much more about the industry. And, the one thing that hit me square in the face was I can do this so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, and it may be extremely cocky to think that, but I think you need to be cocky on some level um, to, to back yeah. yourself to do something so ridiculously, I guess, difficult in a way. Absolutely. Um, but uh, you know, when I saw how his operations worked, when I visited the farms that he said he was buying from, and I saw the trucks that he was putting stock into, like th- some of the most basic things, um, for example, if you're familiar with Lady's Finger, it's called okra as well. Um, it's a very soft uh, vegetable that grows uh, mm-hmm. everywhere in India. Uh, when they harvest it at the farm, they yep. put it into these massive um, plastic bags uh, and they stack those bags one on top of the other. Uh, this is 50 kilos per bag. If you're putting 10 bags on top of each other, that's basically like 500 kilos. Um, so for a soft vegetable, uh, 500 kilos is a death sentence and it's going to be squished at the bottom for sure. Right. Mm-hmm. And if it's being transported for more than about 12 hours, it gets squished and the water that comes out of it causes fungus, which pollutes everything else that it has contact with. Oh, yeah. Now, who can look at that and say, I can do that better? Basically everyone. Because all you have to do is mm-hmm. put it into a crate or put it into a box and make sure that there's no contact and there's no weight bearing on those vegetables itself. Yeah. So those were the kind of solutions that initially got me interested in the space because I was like, granted, it's an extremely complicated problem and you need a complicated solution. But as naive as I was back then, um, it was just as simple as, okay, th- this is uh, a very complicated business. It's very big scale. But you know what? This is something that I know I can back myself to handle. Um, and that only became clear to me uh when uh, when i saw examples like this when i was like okay this is a solution for this problem this is a solution for this problem and i can go step by step by step and take you forward but definitely required a lot of cockiness on my side i def and, and i should emphasize that i've been extremely humbled by this industry as time has gone on now a hundred percent i want to zero in on on um a word you said there you were uh, you were a little naive to start also and with andrew and i's journey we realized that you know we weren't in the same industry or doing the same things, but just starting our business. One of the most important factors for us to keep going in the early days when we start to realize we don't know as much as we thought we did is that we were naive. Mm. We were like, we can do this. We know we can do it. We know we've got, you know, the juice or whatever. We can do whatever we need to do. But, um, you know, it's only like a year <laughs> later that we're like, wow, we didn't know anything that we we're doing back then. <laughs> Um, yep. can you speak to how, um, being naive has been important in the process or if it's not been for you? Mm. Uh, extremely so. Um, I, I would say it has been extremely important for us. Um, if we weren't naive, um, if I didn't 
come at this with with a open mindset. Um, and uh, suppose I I came to this industry being like, hey, I want to start a company that does um farm to fork supply chain. That's not new. People have done this before. Yep. Um, if I wanted to talk to one of them and basically learn what they have done and like copy paste to their uh, experiences into my company, I can do that. I can basically do that overnight. But I wouldn't change anything. Like what what's going to be different about my company compared to the hundreds and thousands of people who have done it before I even got the idea in my head. Uh, and that's where the uh, naiveness or naivete, however you want to say it, came into play, because I questioned everything. Um, mm-hmm. If he would say, no, you have to, you know, keep onions at this kind of truck at this location or, or at this kind mm-hmm. of temperature, I'd be like, why? Um, and if you, and, and more times you ask why, the more times he gets frustrated and it eventually gives you an answer. I'll give you an example. Um, we, uh, we worked closely with a farmer uh, t- trying to figure out why he didn't store his onions in a shed. Uh, he kept them out in the field. Um, and because he kept his onions in the field, he had like... Um, five percent to six percent wastage that he had on mm-hmm. those onions because uh, it's just sitting sitting in the uh, on the floor in the dirt after he does harvesting uh, or after he harvests the products so we asked him why don't you put it in the uh, in the shed and he goes no the transportation cost and labor cost of moving it from my farm to the shed is actually higher than the cost of wastage itself um and we wouldn't have known that if we didn't just if we didn't ask those kind of questions Whereas everybody in the entire village of like 2,500 farmers did the exact same thing. They would harvest and keep it in a big pile on the, uh, at the farm. So what we did is because of that naiveness that we had is we asked so many questions about what is the logic behind keeping it outside. And then we found the solution to actually transport the stock into a shed at a cost lower than their wastage, which now saves them about 20% every, every harvest. Um, so they wouldn't have, we wouldn't have even known to ask this kind of question if we assume the industry best practices are industry best practices. Um, whereas because we came from a totally open perspective, we asked questions about everything to the point where my advisor yeah. was almost throwing me out the door. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, it definitely worked. And uh, that's something that uh, is difficult, but we, we hold on to that naivete even now. Yeah, exactly. Man. It, it it takes a lot, especially at a younger age, to keep asking those questions and not get deterred because a lot of times we've kind of encountered that as well because we're younger. The older businessmen think we just don't know what we're talking about or they don't believe in us or whatnot. So at a young age, for you to just kind of keep asking those questions and keep that mindset going, talk about what it took to really just drown out the noise for you and just be like... <laughs> I know what I'm doing is right. I have the right direction. Doesn't matter what you say. Talk a little bit about that. Mm. That's really interesting, actually. I, I have um, uh, two different uh, angles on that. Um, one, I started this when I was 21 years old. Um, everybody in this industry is 45 plus. Um, the, the My first person that I hired uh, to head sales or sourcing in the company was mm-hmm. uh, 52 years old. Now, how does a 21-year-old kid um, tell his sourcing head, listen, this is how I want to run my company? Wow. Um, so it was extremely difficult, and that's one problem I had to face. The second problem, um, and I, I say this yeah. as a problem in this situation, but it's a, it's largely a benefit, um, is that my f- father and my mother are like fairly well-known in this city, and my father is an extremely successful businessman in his field. Um so whenever I go meet a client or whenever I go meet somebody who I want to work with, 
I'm always seen as his son rather than somebody who started a company by himself and is trying to stand on his own two feet, which automatically like minimizes what I'm trying to do. So now I'm fighting two battles. I'm trying to convince people that one, a 21-year-old kid who studied in the States mm-hmm. can come to India and solve Indian farmers' problems. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he's just not doing something to spend time on daddy's money. Um, so those are two problems I had to face at the exact same time. And the only thing that got me through it was the satisfaction yeah. of succeeding uh, when these guys were still like questioning whether or not I was meant to be at the table. Um, it is such a good feeling. I, and I, I hope that people who listen to this exactly. don't know what I'm talking about <laughs> in the actual situations. But there was a time when um, um, there was a time when I was talking to this guy who um, was <laughs> who, who owned a restaurant and I wanted to supply products to his restaurant. Um and uh, he he basically threw me out the door in the first like uh, two three minutes. He was like, "Boss, what are you talking about? You don't know this industry. You don't know how to like uh, work with people like me. You don't know how credit terms work." And I was like, "Bro, that's why I'm here. I'm I'm, I'm here to learn." Um, and uh, what happened uh, about six months down the line uh, is a company that I had mm-hmm. basically supported mm-hmm. uh, and helped grow ended up acquiring his company um and uh, nice. so i was in that meeting when the person i was working with uh, was telling him hey so yeah we're gonna convert all of your purchases to way cool because the products are so much better nice. and this guy was looking at me with his jaw in his hands and i was like yeah that's right you should have worked with me when you had the chance awesome. so that man, that feeling was completely what made it all worth it Absolutely, man. So it's a little vindictive, I admit. Yeah, exactly. No, sometimes in business, it just feels good. Like when they turn down your product and six months later, you're acquiring their gold company, you know? It's that mob mentality. Exactly. 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 Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about like the mindset behind it because you kind of talked about the obstacles you had to overcome. So coming from a father who was already successful in business, you try to measure up to that or you try to Mm. do what he did, but talk about how you kind of had to drown that out and see your own path and your own vision for your life. And what, what, what was like the mindset for us? It was like, Mm. we've recently gotten to this. We don't care what people think about us. And what we say when we mean that is it still hurts when someone's like, Oh, you're not going to be successful, but it's that one second it hurt and we're moving on because we're not going to be we're not going to live our lives dictated on other people's opinions. So what are some things Mm. or mindsets that you did to kind of overcome that all? Right. So I'm definitely blessed with the kind of background I've had and the kind of support I've had from my parents doing this as well. Um, That doesn't necessarily extend to all members of my family. So whenever you, if you know my Indian families, they're massive and everybody knows everybody and they keep connecting every now and then. Um, and there's a stereotypical Indian uncle or Indian auntie who you'll meet every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. um, and my my mo- my most distinct memory, um, and, and what tells me that this will never go away, uh, is, it, is that this happened only about four months ago uh, at like a family reunion. And at mm-hmm. this stage, um, I was like, the company was doing really well. Uh, we had 25,000 farmers onboarded. We were doing the equivalent of like uh, three and a half to four million dollars of sales. Um, and, uh, and we, we, we employed about 800 people. So the company was doing well at that stage. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I, I'm telling this, uh, this auntie about it. Uh, and I'm sure, and mom, if you're listening, I apologize. <laughs> but she's my mom's distant relative. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, 
So what happened was I was telling her about this thing about how we set this up and how we impacted so many farmers, and she basically was like, uh, "I'm I'm I'm translating this from Telugu, which is a, a native tongue." She mm-hmm. basically says, "Oh, you didn't get a seat in a medical school, huh? That's why you started your own company." Wow. Oh man. Because wow. for, for these people, it's like you're either engineer or a doctor, and that's it. Yeah. And I've heard that for the first three and a half years, and I hoped it would end, but it just does not end. Yeah. So. I guess I've I've gotten a little numb to it. Where every time somebody says uh, you shouldn't be in this industry or like you don't know what you're doing or you're too small to compete with the big guys, um, it's again it goes back a little bit to that vindictive mindset where I'm like, you know what? Let me prove you wrong. Um, like don't tell me what I can't do. Um, the moment somebody says you will not be able to succeed, I'm like, just wait a couple of years, I'll show you. Exactly. Um, so that's the kind of mindset that's been driving me a lot. Um, especially in this space when it's like extremely demanding on in like time and uh, travel and stuff like that. Um, so in terms of mindset, it's definitely been like kind of challenge and uh, sort of excitement kind of mindset, and also just grinding because I know that um, a lot of the people who who don't uh, know what I'm doing, who don't understand what I'm doing. Uh, would never be able to understand it. So why waste time trying to explain it? Let me just do it and then show it to them after I'm done. Definitely. Yeah, one thing One thing we've um, kind of thought about, because we've had similar experiences where people close to us, um, even once we start mm-hmm. finding um, some success in what we're doing, you know, just constantly question or constantly just have these little comments where you're like, are you kidding me? Like, can't you see what I'm doing? You know, uh, one thing, one yeah. thing we always talk to ourselves about, and this is more for the viewers, but also I guess for you, Sonny is, um, or the listeners is that even the closest person to you, even your mother, your father, your, um, spouse, your best friend or whatever, whether we succeed or fail, they're going to still do the same thing they were doing yesterday. They might, you know, spare a thought for us like, oh, it's unfortunate that, you know, they failed or, oh, it's great that they succeeded. But, you know, they're going to wake up, they're going to go to their job or go and do whatever they're doing and their life is going to continue onwards. Hello? Yeah. Could you repeat that question? Oh, no, no, no. I was was just making a statement that um, everybody's life is going to continue onwards whether we succeed or fail. And for me, that kind of provided – um, that kind of took a lot of the, the pressure off. I was like, yeah, people, there's some people, especially the ones who are close to you that notice, they take notice of what you're doing, but yeah, it's not going to affect their life so much that I need to have them stop me. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And the moment you stop needing that validation, um, you can start doing whatever you actually feel you need exactly. to do. Exactly. Exactly. So one thing that helped Mike and I get through these kind of initial tough days was the way we drowned out noise is uh playing basketball so we'll spend uh, hours at the basketball court um for you it sounds like Mm. you like to do a lot of different things you go kayaking um looks like you ran a devil's circuit race a little 5k and then do some weightlifting as well on the side so it sounds like you're already a busy man with the business so how do you make time for these things and what are some of those things that you do to kind of step away from the business and enjoy life yeah man no i i didn't find the time for this early on i'll be honest Mm -hmm. um but what i realized was that um if i if i don't find the time for if i don't actually make the time for it i'm 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 gonna go crazy like i need to actually 
dedicate some time on myself to make sure that I stay sane the, the entire time. So that's one of the th- things that's been very helpful for me as well, trying to basically find things outside of work that I enjoy also. Um, because that, like, that, that keeps you sane. You know yeah, I mean? absolutely. Of course, of course. I mean, it's, it, it's mandatory. Yeah. As you said, it keeps you sane. It, uh, it, and I feel like it reignites your, uh, your fire. I feel like it reignites Exactly, exactly. Uh, and what's interesting is the exact same things you talked about, whether it be if you want to learn a new instrument or go to the gym and start working out. Or um, My personal goal uh, is to finally be able to dunk a basketball. Um, whatever that goal may be, um, like it's the exact same principles that apply to um, that apply to, uh, to, to to business. Like for, for example, when I st- first started like weighing out my food and measuring, it's like a track macro. <laughs> people were like, "Why are you wasting your time?" Exactly. With that? Now I'm down 15 kilos from when I started. So like that's why I was wasting I, my time with that. So exactly, that's awesome. That's what's up. Yeah, I want I want to actually um, do a little plug because. It's. I feel like it's those things, Sonny, those small things where you get those small victories outside of your job, outside of your business, where, as you said, you stay sane, but I also feel like it prevents people from coming to a midlife crisis. Because you realize, yeah, you've yeah. been enjoying life. You realize, you know, if you wanted to drop 15 kilos, if you wanted to gain some mass, if you wanted to learn that instrument, you did, and now you're 35 or 40, and you look back on your time, you're like, all right, I, I kind of enjoyed mm. myself. I didn't just like kind of waste away. Exactly. It, w- it wasn't one all-consuming thing that you did. It was like a multiple things that let's all like complement exactly. each other. I- I'm wondering. So as as Andrew said, you are you seem extremely busy right now. What does a typical day look like for you? <laughs> um, it keeps changing. I don't think there is a, a typical day anymore. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so... I have an office. I do have an office. Um, it's a corporate mm-hmm. office that like, all of my team sets out of. Um, I'm there like twice, thrice a week, I think. But the rest of the time I'm traveling, I go to a couple other cities quite often. I visit my farms quite often. So uh, it's really strange. But one of the things I've been trying to do now is like we, like we were just talking about, I find half an hour to 45 minutes every day to go work out. And um, the, the actual good thing about that is uh, – I wasn't able to find time before, so I built a gym upstairs uh, on my roof. So oh, nice. I actually use that at home. That's the only benefit I've had from this. But yeah, so uh, no, there is no typical anymore. Every day is an adventure. Um, and uh, I literally, I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow until tonight. Yeah. But, uh, and, and thank God for Google Calendar, man. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, if, if these things weren't in my calendar, I, I wouldn't know how I'd like be able to figure out where to be, when to be, and stuff like that. It'd be a nightmare. Yeah, oh man, I couldn't imagine um, let's talk a little bit about you having employees and um, it it sounds like you have like, a lot of employees and um, one thing that's hard when you're early on in your career and in your 20s managing these um, all these employees so what are some things that you've done to um, stay on top of your employees because sometimes they don't respect you as you said they're in their 40s and 50s but what are some things that you've done to be able to manage those employees? And Yeah. Well, I think one of the, the, the things that sort of kept us going um, is that respect is something that's earned over time. So I've uh, tried to avoid the mindset of coming into the office and being like, okay, I'm the boss. You guys have to respect me and do what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been really appreciated by everyone who works for us mm-hmm. right now. Um, 
for for people who have a problem with working for for someone who's in their 20s um we shake hands and go our separate ways yeah um we've done that before where there've been issues where uh, if in a meeting he goes um no you don't understand how things work that's a sign that maybe he's not the right culture for your company so we've done a good job of hiring the right people and making sure we don't hire the wrong people um that's been working out fairly well for us um but we do that very very strictly and uh and we make sure that we gain the right people at the right times because honestly it's not going to be easy working for a 20 year old exactly so. speaking more towards the culture what type of culture have you tried to build and have you been successful building it in the company um so because of the problem we're trying to solve and because of the nature of the business itself um we we wanted to build a culture of people who were excited about solving big problems and like having a big impact like i was like people who were strangely interested in solving the kind of issues that i, that I was interested in um for god knows what reason but uh people who wanted to make that kind of impact people who we wanted to pick up in the company as well um and we tried to nurture that along the way like even now whenever we uh we have monthly newsletters that go out um and in that in the newsletter we we don't talk about like revenue and tonnage and stuff like that we talk about like uh we actually profile some employees who did well um and like some of the progress that they've made personally in their careers yep. um or like uh or, or maybe for example um like a new farmer who we've uh, picked up and he's doing really well or something like that for example we talk about the fact that uh, we have we employ 150 truck drivers uh in the city so things like that are things that we push a, a lot more of in terms of PR um so th- those are things that, cu- that really set the right company culture for us so it's not about just making money it's about making money the right way and making sure the right people are coming along with you in the process for example we don't send out details about uh, um you know our revenue and our tonnage we actually talk only about uh, specific case studies of employees who are doing really well or farmers who are doing really well uh, we talk about the number of farmers who we've impacted um how we've impacted them how many jobs we've created so the kind of culture we try and set up in the company is the people who are excited about the impact that we can create not like not just the actual revenues and valuations and that kind of thing Exactly. How does how does that translate to the day to the day to day when employees are interacting? Like, what do you notice when you see two of your employees interacting that makes you like smile? Like, dang, we really hit it on the head with the culture we wanted to provide. Mm, that's interesting. Uh, so, see, so there's a situation recently um, where we had to decide uh which farm to buy from or like which location we want to pick up stock from kind of thing mm-hmm. um and if we were to um buy from let's say the local market we would have gotten something at let's say 20 bucks of cost right yep. um but the like this is something that uh is an everyday conversation because we buy and sell stuff every single day um so if uh let's say today price of tomato in the market is 20 uh but my farmer is selling to me at 21 that's a business decision do you decide to buy from the farmer at a higher price because you know that's the company you're trying to sell mm-hmm. or do you decide to buy from the local market because you know they're trying to save money um every single day our company makes decisions for the for the former so they actually buy from the farmer instead rather than buy from the local market regardless of the monetary impact and that that shows me that like we've done a decent job in setting that whole process in place yeah that's awesome especially when it affects business decision exactly And and I think what uh, one thing we've done right is we empower people to make that decision. Like 
um, make the like, we we we're not somebody uh, who asks makes people ask for permission. We're like, don't ask for permission, ask for for, for forgiveness. Yep. You know, if you make a mistake, we'll forgive you for it. But if you ask for permission, you won't have the chance of making the mistake in the definitely. That's true. Let's talk about that for a second. So, um, a lot of people in leadership and companies and businesses have a hard time figuring out that line of okay, they made a mistake, let's forgive them and let's show them what they or ask them what they could have done differently, things like that. But where do you kind of draw the line, or is there just they can make as many mistakes as possible. Like how is you as a business owner kind of navigate those waters? I mean, the only thing that I keep track of, uh, is it, um, is it this, is it a mistake that you've made after I've already trained you about how not to make the mm-hmm. mistake? Um, and if I haven't trained you, then it's my fault. Um, and second, uh, is it the same mistake you've made before? Um, these are the only two things that matter. Um, if somebody makes a mistake and you, uh, go crazy on them for that, um, that, that's, that doesn't make sense if you haven't done the research about, okay, did their boss train them on how not to make this mistake? Like if you join Starbucks, for example, and someone orders a, um, a black coffee and you pour one with almond milk, I mean, did somebody train you a black coffee doesn't have to have yeah. almond milk in it? So if, so if you've been trained and you still make the mistake, then that's a problem. But uh, if you haven't been trained on it, then that's the management's problem. So that's what that's the only two things that we look at. Definitely not. I... I for a lot of for a lot of companies, when they're first starting out, the first few years, they have a very defined culture, and a lot of that stop starts from the top. But as they grow, as they expand, and I mean, you you have a ton of employees right now, so that kind of implies applies to you also. How have what changes have you seen within yourself during I guess this three and a half plus year journey of of establishing your own company? Um, you you mean like has culture changed with oh, scale well, kind of thing? Kind of speaking outside of the company, but with your within your own self, I guess you're kind of your view because sometimes life has mm. a way of jading us towards things. Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, from this industry itself, like the kind of uh, like tolerance I had towards people, the kind of patience I've had with people, mm-hmm. uh, I actually think I think it's gotten shorter, um, because of. Uh, how you do with so many people on a daily basis and just sort of losing um losing patience with them regularly when uh that happens every day at work when you when you go back home or you hang out with some other people for any other activities um yeah. you kind of sort of lose patience with them as well that's actually been quite a bit of an issue but uh um on, on a larger scale like uh like work doesn't necessarily feel like work anymore so it's hard to actually uh differentiate where um work starts or yeah. where yeah. work ends and life begins you know what i mean i hear that's a i guess that's all that's a blessing and a curse right there absolutely so absolutely talked a lot about where you've been and where you're at so where are you going sonny what are the next what's the next moves for the life of sonny oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man if i knew that i'd be having a lot more money invested in me right now uh, <laughs> so um so we're in about four cities so far, all in South India. Um, we'll be expanding the network to uh, North and Western India as well. Um, <laughs> and uh, one of the interesting things is that uh, uh, tomorrow or day after, we're going to be getting our first container of imported apples. Um, so nice. we're, we're learning how to do the import market as well so that we start exporting our own products also. So sometime in the middle of uh, or end of April or early May, we're going to start exporting Indian products to the rest of the world as well. So our farmers who 
uh, had their products either you know rotting away in a big plastic bag at the bottom of a truck will now have their products like sent you know across the entire world to different customers and getting mm-hmm. a fair price for it as well so we're excited about that oh you're doing big yeah. things man <laughs> thank you what are what are you uh what are you i guess what's one thing that the public most likely doesn't know that you're proud of about your business um does doesn't know about my business or doesn't know something that i'm proud of does like one thing that you're proud of that you know doesn't necessarily make the headlines um so i think it's uh as as overdone as it might as it might seem we do a lot in terms of employment generation um, mm-hmm. so, uh, we have close to a thousand people working for us right now, but, uh, what's interesting is how we've done this thousand, right? Uh, we haven't just, uh, picked them up on our own roles, uh, on our company and said, um, this is how we're going to work. We started with, like, we hired a bunch of, uh, I think the term for it in, in India, especially needs children, people who are on the, um, the, the, uh, the spectrum for all kinds of different, uh, uh disabilities. We have yep. a, a lot of them working for us now in specific roles in the company. Um, and even if you look back at the farmer level, um, I didn't go set up a warehouse um, at a farm and say that, okay, my employee's going to be here and work with you. Um, we actually worked with a bunch of local farmers to have them set up the warehouse themselves. We helped them with financing. We helped them with like what to set up, where to set up and stuff like that. And once they got that off the ground, we basically created like a network of entrepreneurs everywhere that we go. Um, yep. Like we have wow, 150 man. trucks that we uh, work with right now that do our transportation on a daily basis. Um, I could have signed up with a larger, um, like a large transportation company, but instead we have 150. Actually, we have about 75 or so local entrepreneurs um, who we help get financing to buy the first truck and do distribution and transportation for our company. Yep. So that doesn't necessarily make the headlines in terms of employment generation, but. Uh, though we're close to a thousand people, I'm extremely proud of the way we've come to a thousand people. Uh, we've taken the social impact thing and taken it not just on the farmer, but across the entire value chain. I, I got a question for you, Sonny. Um, it sounds like you you have you're very ambitious and you've done a lot of things in life. But when you when you leave this world, what do you want people to say about your legacy and what you're able to impact? So, what is the next? How many every years of life look like for you to yeah. reach that goal as well? Um, I think it really just boils down to one thing. Um, and uh, it, it might be a little bit overly simplistic, but uh, just so long as I've uh, left the world a better place than I've entered it, um, if that makes sense. Um, it could be regardless of like if that's at the farmer level, if I've made created enough jobs or if enough people have been made happy just by interacting with me doesn't really matter at what level it is, but so long as people know that uh, I kind of played my own tiny role in making the world a better place, and that'd be, that'd be a nice legacy to leave behind. That's awesome. awesome man. What we want to do before we uh, close any podcast is ask a two-part question. So the mm. first part is, during your journey, what is one thing that held you back, that held you, Sonny, back? Hmm. Uh, self-doubt. Um, the same naiveness that led me to sort of experiment with everything and question everything also had me guessing like, hmm, maybe I should just listen to the industry best practices and just copy what they're doing because people out there are smarter than I mm. am. But definitely self-doubt has helped me personally back for sure. How do you how do you overcome that, or how are you overcoming it? Uh, still working on it. <laughs> I think uh, it, it's a process. I've gotten better at sort of uh, um 
proving myself wrong. Um, and uh, whenever I say people out there who um, question what I'm doing and tell me that I'm not going to be able to succeed, and then that satisfaction that I get from showing them that I've actually mm-hmm. succeeded, no, I'm one of those people. Um, that like whenever I uh, think I can't do something, I think the company won't be able to move a certain way, uh, and I'm proven wrong that the company actually did something well, or I did something good. Um, then I actually like sit back and think, okay, wait, why did I think it was impossible? What actually did I change? Um, and it's a, it's a good reflective process to figure out like why self-doubt was there in the first place when I wasn't able to succeed. Um, and it's not like it's all rosy either. Um, there have been many times when uh, like we have, uh, like I've thought about something and uh, it hasn't gone well. Uh, and, I should, and I was like, okay, maybe I should listen to myself before when I said I thought I couldn't do it. But the process of understanding why certain things worked and why certain things mm-hmm. didn't work uh, or didn't work um, has been really helpful in trying to overcome that. But 100% still Definitely. working on it. Definitely. Um, so so the, the second part to the question is, so I, you actually kind of answered that right now. What is currently holding you back from accomplishing your goals? And would you say that is one of the big things that is currently holding you back or is it something else? It's definitely mm-hmm. the biggest. It's definitely the biggest that uh, because it, it it affects everything that you do, um, whether it be like uh, uh, like launching a new store or like uh, signing up a new cluster of farmers or even something as simple as like should I uh, visit my Bangalore office tomorrow mm-hmm. or next week? Um, if it, if it starts affecting how you schedule your day and how you schedule uh, activities and events, then that's when the whole thing uh, sort of snowballs. So still that's working true. on it. What Sunny? What do you have to say to? Any budding or entrepreneurs or people just thinking about doing their own thing? What's a little advice you can give them? Uh, I, thank you for thinking I, I have the <laughs> right to give advice in the first place. I appreciate that. <laughs> but uh, if there was someone who actually wanted advice and if you have a business idea and you don't know if it's going to work out or not, um, one of the things I've always been saying is um, you never know until you give it a shot. Um, and one thing that uh, I've convinced myself on is that I don't want to be thinking about whether or not I would have been successful. Um, I want to prove that, like, yes or no, I, I would have been successful or I am not successful. Um, this kind of hit me the junior year at Babson when uh, I, I was talking to my dad about this really cool idea I had about a um, vocational training company uh, called Handyman that I wanted mm-hmm. to set up after graduation. And my dad goes, no, oh, someone launched that yeah. a year and a half ago. I'm like, oh, yeah. shit, someone beat me to it. And that company is doing really yeah. well right now in India. So the idea of somebody else doing something that, that I had an idea mm-hmm. about before I got to do it is is concerning. So if there's an entrepreneur out there who has a similar idea that they want to experiment with, then by all means, give it a shot. See what happens. Um, I always say, like, That's true. Don't, don't, let, don't let anyone else accomplish the goal for <laughs> you. Don't let anyone else accomplish the goal exactly exactly if you don't work to accomplish your own goals someone's gonna hire you to have this exactly exactly so where where can people find you on social media sonny give yourself a little plug <laughs> uh so i i'm struggling with twitter i i have a twitter account i just don't know how it works like what are these hashtags um but uh, i'm on facebook and linkedin very actively um so um sanjay dasri uh, i think you guys will probably tag me on these as well um thank you in advance yeah but uh facebook facebook and linkedin any message any time of day i'm very active so you can find, you can find me there definitely that's what's up you um you didn't mention instagram at all man 
Oh, that is true. I am active on Instagram as well. Um, it is uh, always sunny three one three. There it is. Yeah, always sunny three one three. I don't know what the three one three are for, but I thought it sounded nice. <laughs> we like that. We like that. All right, Sunny. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast and giving us little insights to your life and mm-hmm. hearing more about your business. You're you're doing some awesome things, man. Be encouraged in what you're doing and keep pushing forward, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for taking the time, guys. I appreciate you guys thinking of me. Of course. We really appreciate you coming on.